I don't sketch to get better. I sketch because it, it makes me happy. And as a result, it, I keep on getting better at it because, you know, with anything, the more you do, the, the better you get. So the, the act of it is kind of different. And, and that's why it makes it easy for me, at least, to keep up with it because it makes me happy. Hello and welcome to the Sneaky Art Podcast. I'm your host, Nishant Jain. And on this show, I speak to people who seek beauty in their environment through the practice of urban sketching or drawing on location. I'm speaking today with Mike Daikubara, an industrial designer in Charlotte, North Carolina. From looking at Mike's work, it seems that all kinds of things catch his interest. And just as importantly, all kinds of things seem to make their way onto his page. This is because Mike practices the philosophy of sketch now, think later. Whenever he finds inspiration, wherever he might be, he allows himself the time to make a quick drawing. This episode is about the importance of doing that as a way to become a better artist and also as a way to derive more joy from life experiences. Sketch Now, Think Later is also the title of Mike's fantastic book, a primer about urban sketching and on-location drawing. If you're interested in making sketching a part of your life, this book is a great way to get started. Mike's art and the underlying philosophy were important reasons for this conversation. But I'm also curious about how he approaches his art, considering his work and education as an industrial designer. What does Mike find in this activity that helps him break away from his day job? And what does he find that better informs it? We talk about the usefulness of sketching as a skill and as a language of communication. This episode has great lessons if you're looking to impart more purpose to your art, or if you want to think more consciously about who you are making it for and how you want it to be consumed and enjoyed. I believe our conversation will inspire you and empower you if you face different constraints in building a regular sketching practice, whether those constraints are skill-related or time-related. As we discuss, sometimes it is within our constraints that we find our freedom. Today's episode is brought to you by Alice, Michelle, Linda, Allison, Phil, Koshya, Becky, Mia, Mark, and Esther all of whom supported my work this month by buying me a cup of coffee. I'm super grateful to each one of you. If this show helps you in any way, or if you really liked a particular episode, it's really just that simple to support me. Follow the link in the show notes and buy me a cup of coffee. Hang around until the end of the episode for more information about this and about some exciting new giveaways that I have in mind. But for now, let's begin today's conversation. Good morning, Mike. I'm happy to have you here on the Sneaky Art Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, giving me your time today. Thank you. No, I'm really excited. Uh, in order to prepare for this conversation, Mike, I listened to a couple of your interviews, uh, one from earlier in this long COVID nightmare that we are all in. And you said that when you were growing up, 
you weren't re- really good at drawing so you didn't actually give so much time to this activity of drawing as a child and this made me curious when you later said that you went on to study industrial design and then again you mentioned that after becoming an industrial designer and after working as an industrial designer is when you discovered the activity of drawing on location and that again made me very curious because as an industrial designer i see you as a person who's already communicating visually so can you help me uh, trace this evolution right from the start of what sparked your interest in these different things and how did you how did you get here sure sure absolutely now you captured it very well um that that's definitely the timeline um so growing up uh, i think like most children that grow up liking to make things i i was one of those kids so i i like to make things uh, you know a lot of things spatially uh cutting things uh putting things together uh you know even like uh my room i used to like changing my room a lot like you know every other week or something like redecorating making furniture you know stuff not stuff like that and uh i remember one of the uh the the the, the most rewarding kind of birthday presents i received when i was a small child was this little toolkit that my father gave me which is like hammer it was like a a box you opened up and it included these hammers and and saws and chisels and and everything you could imagine about woodworking so um i was a very hands-on person um but in that journey of hands-on doing things it, there wasn't or it, my recollection is there's very little of things regarding drawing so drawing or or doodling or never really like doing that and i think back at why i didn't like it and it's probably because i wasn't good at it i wasn't good at it i i so I, so i didn't do it and you know there's definitely friends when you grow up as a child there's there's always these kids that just draw amazing right they 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 just like whip it out right whether you know it's like they're able to do a a really popular cartoon character you know without looking at anything whatever it is they they're all, you know and you know I was never one of those kids I couldn't draw so I I think that's kind of the reason why I never really did drawing and um so I I did I did that growing up um and I I did my first degree in Japan it was mostly to learn about the culture uh you know I grew up in the US but I went back to my first college in Japan and it's really good education great opportunity uh I met my wife there um so there's a lot of great things that came out of it but after that I really wanted to uh go into more into the artistic or creative field and I learned about industrial design um at the time it wasn't as known or popular uh but there's a uh a professor in the college I went to that went to a school called Pratt and Pratt Institute is is a uh, is an art design school in Brooklyn New York so I went there and that's that's where I got my degree in industrial design so um industrial design um it's definitely or the design field in general it's it's rapidly changing as well as everything else uh when I got started it was still at the cusp of uh a craft based um discipline where you know there would be people that were able to 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 make things and design and and concentrate more on the looks of how something should be and um and we would work with you know engineers uh, probably less marketing people at the time and make something that people wanted to use or buy um so um you know i i got my first job uh working um 
actually, I went through a few uh, consultancies, but got my real first job at Phillips, that I mentioned earlier, and moved out to California. Uh, the greatest experience ever, uh, working in the Bay Area. Um, and that was uh, that was pre-Google days, so it's kind of hard to imagine. But there were, you know, there were companies that were doing pretty amazing things, like Yahoo and Netscape, and you know, Google was coming along. And uh, it's like every other startup is starting like every month, and you know, it's just it's just crazy times. And you know, we were there designing things or helping these um, uh, groups in Philips um, come up with uh, with concepts uh, in the digital domain, which was all new. Uh, and yeah, so I got to experience all of that, which was really great. Um, I think my my answer is getting a little long here, but <laughs> I'm trying to. That's what this yeah. place is for. Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, what it is is within design it and drawing. I mean, sure, you know, people think you know designers do these you know amazing drawings and you know it's all done. It really isn't about that. Design is about communication. It's 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 working to understand what people are wanting, and it's 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 putting a lot of uh, information from many different disciplines together, and then communicating that into into something that that could be uh, produced uh, for people to experience. So, you know, most of my work was through um, was through CAD, so it was through a computer based. Uh, drawings of things or, or renderings or visualization and very little about about drawing or, or sketching but what became really important is that I noticed that I was able to you know I was really good at the computer side of things who communicated but I wasn't good at that front end uh, talking with someone like yourself right now and sketching out an idea as we talk it's like it's like Michonne hey look at this you know what do you think about this concept or whatever and bouncing ideas i wasn't good at that and that wasn't drawing that was sketching and and there's a huge difference between drawing and sketching for me at least they're 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 not the same they're they're extremely different and i i realized i needed to work a lot more on the sketching side so um i started reading everything about uh sketching or rapid drawing um, you know, at the time, urban sketching didn't, didn't exist, but there were things like on-location drawing or, you know, maybe more of a, a really click, uh, quick plain air kind of thing. But uh, I started carrying a sketchbook. I started carrying a pen, and I drew everything and anything that I could possibly imagine all the time. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I got started, you know, sketching in that sense. And one of the also the breakthroughs at the time, I, I, you know, I think about it is that um, I was living in the Bay Area, and there was a class offered in Palo Alto uh, by a, a, a person um, that was teaching a, an art class there. Uh, who um, it was like a ten-week class where every week we would go to a coffee shop, a different coffee shop within town, and we would just draw there. That's all. And I don't even remember. You know, it was just an opportunity for him to you know talk about things about sketching and and going to coffee shops. And and uh, we would draw uh, or sketch um, you know, things. I started out with things like drawing the shaker, the salt and pepper shaker on the table, because that's all I could do. Uh, then gradually, maybe start incorporating silhouettes of people sitting in the background drinking coffee or things that were easier that people you know didn't move too much. And so that was my that was probably one of my first experiences drawing 
on location, um, you know, in real real time kind of thing. So interesting. I also when I when I went out to try to learn to draw to kind of self educate myself in this process. I also went to cafes and I think for the same general motivation that not only can I get some nice coffee, but there'll be a steady flow of subjects who will be more or less stationary as they look into their phones or they read a book or a paper and it will always be something fresh. So if you go every week to a cafe, you're bound to see people that you haven't seen before, people who've come from different parts of the city. So you have fresh subjects but they're generally, you're controlling some variables. They're not moving around too much. They're at the same, they're sitting on the same kind of furniture, doing the same range of activities that one does at a cafe. And that's a, that's a good way to learn, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And there's a lot of other things you learn along the way is that, you know, it's you learn how people are going to act. You, you could tell by people and how long they're going to be sitting there or keeping that pose, or you could actually really see it pretty well. Like depending on how someone's talking to somebody or their body language, they're like, oh, this person's probably going to stay 30 minutes or this person is going to be out. And then, then, you know, of course, there are these unpredictable ones that all of a sudden just juts out, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, they're, they're those people too. But for the most part, you could tell. So you learn a lot and you also learn not to uh, draw attraction of people. So, you know, if you're drawing looking down at your sketchbook and you're always moving your head up and down and bobbing, you know, people pick up on that. But if your head doesn't move and it's just your eye, people don't really see you at the corner of their eyes because you're not moving. So you can actually draw people pretty close up and, you know, people won't get distracted or, or at least I think they're not distracted. <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> invade into people's spaces. So. You mentioned this really interesting part while we were talking about the the challenge of sketching versus drawing. Can you elaborate on that, what it means to you, what is drawing and how does it differentiate from sketching? Sure. So so in my mind, it's, uh, you know, there's definitely ways, many ways of interpreting it, but sketching, I believe it, it captures something a lot more raw. Uh, it's It's much, much quicker to do. And uh, the, the end deliverable is more about that moment and, and being able to, to really capture it. And, you know, within that in the design discipline, it's about being able to communicate that. So it could be the roughest and quickest and the most dirtiest, uh, uh, like scribble, yet if it communicates, it's successful. That's a great sketch. Now, as for drawing, uh, my interpretation is it's, it's a lot more deliberate. It's, it's a lot more uh, refined uh, and it's a lot more about, uh, about really, really getting the details and, and deliverables might be more about, um, you know, making it look beautiful or, or really capturing the, uh, the, 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 the details and, and all of the uh, elements of, of, you know, the colors and the lines and, it's, so it's just much more deliberate, takes much more time to do, and uh, the, the end deliverables are different. So that's what I think is different. That's, that's interesting because you mentioned that drawing came to you more comfortably than sketching came to you. And if you would speak to people, you would hear the the other way around that maybe they're able or at least when people try to think about what their weakness is and what their strength is they would think that a quick job done for the sake of just doing something let's say is far easier than a refined process of communicating all the little details and 
I feel like this interplay between what is drawing and what is sketching is also kind of the general conundrum that urban sketchers face and people who are coming into it, people who are new to the activity or just hesitant about the activity, about what they should be doing here. And they they get mixed up in these things. Am I trying to communicate the moment or am I trying to get everything right about what I see and make something that is mm-hmm. quote unquote art? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And of course, you know, what I have, what I explained is is like the two really extremes. There's a lot of this gray, fuzzy area, right? And that's probably makes up most of, you know, I, when I think about life, I think it's mostly the gray area. It's, you know, the black and the white and the, and the extremes of, of, of things are, you know, it's very small and the gray is, is really where we're really focusing on. But yeah, regarding you know, within the urban uh, urban sketching community and the sketching of people sketching fast as opposed to people sketching, you know, much, much more deliberate and slower. Um, it's, it, I, I really think it comes down to, you know, why they're sketching in the first place. You know, it's, uh, you know, like sketching and drawing, whatever terminology we use, you know, if, if the end deliverable is exactly what you're looking for, and if it makes you happy, it's like, that's great, you know? It could be a five-minute drawing, or it could be like four hours, or, or you know, and and there's there shouldn't be rules like, you know, like, it's got to be this, or, you know, it's, I, I think it's, sometimes it's a little too rigid when we talk about things. Such a good point. Uh, you... Uh, explain drawing and sketching like a horizontal spectrum with the as as two polar poles and you can be anywhere in the middle of that and I feel like a lot of people think of it almost in a vertical hierarchy that sketching starts at the bottom and drawing is the top is the top of the ladder that they should be aiming at but but that's not the case that's just another way of putting pressure on ourselves and yeah yeah absolutely not absolutely not i i don't think at least it's uh yeah i mean it's like how can you put a hierarchy on something that that is so you know meaningful and you know it's like it's no really use in comparing that respect you know you could could keep on going back and forth yeah so i often think of design as art with which has a function so functional art which is supposed to fulfill a specific purpose when you come to urban sketching as a designer, how does that affect what how you see the purpose of your drawing or your sketches, and how how does that change you know the way you the way you see a scene that you that you want to draw? Yeah, so um, you know I, I I do think about that a lot too, but uh, for the most part, when I'm sketching on location and capturing that moment, a hundred percent of me is on that moment. So I don't really think about like, ooh, how should I capture this? Or I mean, there might be a little bit of that, but there's 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 so little of in terms of trying, you know, I'm trying to capture that moment, I'm trying to really absorb it, you know, listen to the conversations or the music or the, you know, whatever's going on and and really capture that because you know it's it's a very short amount of time and why waste it if you're not really living that moment. So in that sense, I'm not really using my, my right, right brain kind of thing. It's, or my left brain, actually, it's, it's more of, I'm, you know, using more of my senses to capture it, uh, more like an instinct level. So where the designer side of me kicks in is that as, as designers, you know, we're really interested in people and, and, and the context of the environment and, you know, how people act, uh, how people behave. 
uh, you know, and and how they are uh, within the, the the context of you know using products or you know sitting on a chair or whatever it is, because everything about that you learn from, um, because we're ultimately designers designed for people in that sense. So uh, I'm always thinking about that, you know, when 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 like a sketch is is done or you know when I get to a good place. Um, and another part about the designer part that kicks in is um, how to really finish up a sketch. So, um, you know, if, if I'm finished capturing a certain scene, um, you know, it's okay to add things later on. You know, people think it needs to be 100% completed on location, you know, right at that moment. And if you could do that, great, but it's okay to, you know, give it a little moment and think. And, and I do that all the time. Um, you know, I might do a line drawing and then, you know, I might just sit down with a coffee and, and finish it up with color or, you know, and I add annotation, uh, little stories I overheard. Uh, I might add a logo of that restaurant if I'm drawing in a coffee shop or, you know, I might add, you know, other elements that are relevant to the story that I just heard. And that part is all design because I'm designing the page you know, and I'm um, trying to make the, the page more understandable, more visually appealing, um, and just uh, overall balance of, of the page. And, you know, I'm, I'm more uh, paying more attention to, as opposed to when I started it out sketching, you know, I didn't, you know, think about any of that kind of thing. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that you say that you're thinking about the balance of the page, but you're also incorporating these different elements like the logo of the establishment you're at or conversations you overhear in in that sense it feels like as if you're taking notes of your complete environment and putting that on the page and not simply thinking of it as drawing the the thing that i see in front of me as accurately as possible it's it's a more abstract representation of where you are yeah yeah Mm -hmm. It's 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 definitely multi-layer in that sense. I think you put it a really good way. It's uh, you know we as people we're multi-sensorial. You know why just limit to the one element because it's just it's the layers and the stacks of these these senses that adds up to the whole experience. And uh, you know in terms of like accuracy, I, you know I, I hear that a lot. It's like in, in terms of you know like oh it's not accurate. The perspective is wrong or. You know, it's like if if that is the ultimately important thing, you know, I think we have, you know, many, many other tools that does an excellent job capturing that, right? It's in our pockets. We pull it out. It's 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 perfect, you know? It's like, so why try to, you know, imitate it with your hands? And I mean, no, that, you know, don't get me wrong. There are, you know, needs for that too. But, you know, when we're talking about the sketching kind of uh, aspect, I, I don't think that's necessary. That's that's a great point and something I absolutely also agree with. Coming into the practice of urban sketching from a technical engineering background, I also think of the value that a sketch has versus the other tools we have at our disposal. And I think about the value of things like absolutely, you know, hyper-realistic art or realism. And I see that I... In my mind, I think of it as something that evolved when there was a need for representation in that manner, and you didn't have other tools to do that. You didn't have access to cameras, certainly not in your pocket, and you needed to be you needed to communicate a precise image of what you saw. 
But now that we have access to these tools, not only cameras, but also infinite filters and all kinds of effects that we can add to make things look a certain thing, what then is the purpose of what I'm drawing? What is the reason that I'm doing it? And what is something unique that I can then add, which has its own value, which is not just trying to trying to match a camera or trying to beat beat a camera or beat someone's Photoshop effects? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so true. So I wonder, as a designer, you I, you would have a very disciplined approach to how you keep these practices in shape, like representing things visually, doing a good job of representing things visually. These are such important requirements for you professionally. How do you approach then the task of becoming an urban sketcher? You sort of educated yourself in the path to becoming an urban sketcher, I looked through your work and I looked at your old sketchbooks and the, you have some of them online. And it's interesting to trace how you slowly expanded your toolkit or moved to explore different things as you got comfortable. Was, was there something conscious here? Do you think now looking in retrospect that you were chasing something specific as you slowly expanded your toolkit and explored different styles? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um... So I, you know, my my urban sketching or on location sketching drawing, um, I could break it down into definitely, you know, a couple of phases or like chunks of time. So there's this chunk of time which is ten years, right before I met urban sketching community. So right before 2010. So from 2000 to 2010, I was sketching by myself pretty much. I mean, there was very little uh, design or, or like um, online, like sketching computing. There, there were there were some, but there were more like these forums, you know, with uh, with a few people, you know, um, that that ran these kind of bulletin board kind of posting places, and they were really nice too. And uh, you know, it brought me a lot of inspiration. But but for the most part, yeah, I was I was by myself, and even outside uh, or, you know, within my design community or, you know, within, you know, going outside to drawing, it's, you know, it's not like I, I sketched with other people or I talked about it. It was something I actually, um, it, it's strange, but it, it, it felt like I needed to hide it. And so I would be in the corner of places doing, you know, drawing. I don't, you know, it might be something people always go through or it might not be, but I, I was definitely one of those. And uh, so for 10 years, I did that. Um, but even those 10 years, I, um, I had phases like, so, you know, there, I started out with certain sketchbooks of a certain size. And one thing that was consistent was that I, I never used a pencil. So that was from like day one. Um, and I, I felt pencil and eraser, um, was, was in a way cheating, um, at the time, um, because it, it really slows you down. It, it makes you focus too much on that, getting that line correct, as opposed to you put down a pen line, you know, you can't erase, you got to move on kind of thing. So, um, so from day one, it was, it was a pen, but in terms of my journey, it was like trying all sorts of pens. I'd probably bought every single pen uh, available in, in U.S. stores, uh, you know, like, like those staples or whatever office stores to the art supply stores. Yeah, yeah, pretty much everything. I, I, I've tested it. Uh, so I uh, went through that. Then you start finding things that you it works for you. And, you know, even sketchbook size, you're trying different things like hardbound and wirebound and, you know, the different types of paper. And 
sizes and uh, yeah, I went through all of that too. So there's that journey. And uh, then you start getting to a place where you're really comfortable or, or it starts getting comfortable, you know, because you keep on reusing it. That's, that's when you know it's starting to work for you. That's, that's the only way to do it. It's not someone telling you, hey, this is the best pen or this is the best sketchbook to use. You know, that's a great suggestion, but it, it's got to be you. You know, it's all about you in this case, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that you use different sketchbooks uh, and different pens for so long as if to home in on the ones that were your tools to use. Yeah, you know, it wasn't that, you know, deliberate at the time. It's it's more if I'm just really, you know, it's almost like walking through like a really foggy area. You know, you're kind of feeling everything out and grabbing whatever you can and trying it. And then occasionally in the dark, you see somebody who guides you towards a certain yeah, pen yeah, yeah. or a certain exactly, sketchbook. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Then there's this guy out on the web that pets this really cool posting and you're like, ah, oh, whatever. And, uh, you know, so you grab it and, you know, you're using it. And, you know, some pens, you know, everyone goes through this, but are like so awesome. Then you put that one drop of water and it just like, you know, completely destroys it or, you know, or it's all the way around and, you know, you start learning about that you know which is the next point about you know so i had the pen phase then i went into the color phase which was you know i bought the small watercolor kit uh by sakura i, I still use that kit um as an outside i changed the inside but the outside i still use and you know it, it took the longest time to even add the smallest color because i didn't know what to do you know i'm like mixing and i'm trying it on the edges of the page and you know, you know, you know, that whole journey of trying to understand all of that. And, and then, then comes that phase of, all right, what, you know, what sketchbook works with, you know, watercolor now. <laughs> and, yeah, so, yeah. So there's that phase. Uh, then I went on to the fountain pen phase and I'm still in that phase, but at a different, you know, at many, many, many um, different layers or levels. Uh, but, um, you know, I, at my first sketching fountain pen was a Lamy. Um, and you know, it, it, it still is a, an amazing pen that everyone uses because it's so affordable and, and, and you know, it's just so robust it's, it's built like a tank basically. So, yeah. So, uh, but the fountain pen phase for the people that haven't gone there and are thinking about going, just be, uh, careful. It's, it's, uh, it's a nonstop journey. <laughs> I am a, uh, a, I, I, yeah, I admit I'm, I'm, I'm a fountain pen uh, junkie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm an it's addict. a nonstop <laughs> journey down a yeah. rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm an addict. And uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> I keep on buying. I probably still bought like two pens, fountain pens this, this month. Uh, you know, it keeps on growing. <laughs> <laughs> we are recording this in the, in the beginning of the month, just so, just yeah, so the yeah, listeners yeah, yeah, know. Yes, yes, yeah. So uh, sad, but yeah, I just recently received it at the beginning of the month. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, gotta gotta be careful with your uh, hobbies. <laughs> That's, I, I like that you're saying that you're currently in the fountain pen phase, which suggests that the evolution is ongoing, and you're you're open to discovering something new that again brings you to another new obsession. Absolutely, and you know, uh, you know, fountain pen. Even on this topic, I could be talking to you just on fountain pens, but it's yeah, even within that phase. I do have a pen that I use, you know, quite frequently, uh, almost like every day, uh, one pen. Um, but, you know, I still try other pens. 
is the is the choice of pens simply about the way that it interacts with the paper like the the nib or the way it delivers ink or do you think there's there's something uh, more artistic about you know choosing between a brush pen or a dry marker and a fountain pen mm-hmm. so um you know it, it may sound like a little bit out there but you know the way i think about it is ultimately Every time I put down a line, it makes me feel really, really good. <laughs> That's the pen I'm looking for. I mean, you know, and how I get there is exactly what you're saying. So at the top level, it's does this pen bring me joy for every single line I put down? One level down is in order to get that, yes, it needs to perform the way I want it to be. So right now I'm using a food pen, which is this bent nib. You know, I could change the different thicknesses of it. This pen needs to work at every single angle that I need to be able to draw a line. It can't skip. It can't bleed. Um, and it needs to keep on. And I need to be able to do at least a few sketches without having to reload the ink. I need to be able to travel with it so it won't blow up when I'm in, in the sky with pressure. Um, you know, all of those aspects, you know, there's there's a checklist of things, you know, I, I could drop it, it won't break, or, you know, all of those things, you know, they all add up to that, yes, it's, it brings me joy, this pen, yeah, that's right, so it's a really long answer, but that's, that's where it is, yeah. <laughs> Do you uh, have a regular drawing practice? And I'm, I'm saying this thinking about uh, all the drawings I've seen you make of food. Uh, is is that part of regular drawing for you? And what does it what does it do for you? Is that is that a very is that a conscious, deliberate thing to do in terms of actually getting better at art, or is that something you do just for yourself as well? That's that's more for myself. It's uh, so regarding sketching, I don't sketch to get better. I sketch because it it makes me happy, and as a result, it, I keep on getting better at it because you know with anything the more you do the the better you get so the the act of it is kind of different and and that's why it makes it easy for me at least to keep up with it because it makes me happy and you know sometimes when it's the other way around it, you know you're like ah, i don't feel like doing it today right with anything like you know exercise is going to make you feel good but sometimes you just don't want to do it kind of thing but if you if you're addicted to doing it you're just going to do it kind of thing so uh, but regarding food, um, the reason why I started sketching food is that um, there are days I didn't sketch and I, you know, I'm like, it, it didn't make me feel good. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta sketch, I gotta sketch kind of thing. And um, food or, you know, we all have to eat. So, you know, like food opportunity was the greatest time to capture something that, you know, you've never seen before, especially if it's a place you've, you know, been for the first time or, food someone else prepared um and you have to do it pretty quickly uh, or you know especially if it's hot food you know you you don't want to get in cold uh it's not polite for whoever made it for you uh and in restaurants you know it, it depends on where you go too you know you don't want to spend you know ages sketching something and, and <laughs> having the food right there in front of you kind of thing so so yeah it was more of an opportunity to bring in more sketching into the daily life that's that's where it started but what came with it after years of doing that is that I, I tended to enjoy my food more uh, because I'm sketching something 
usually on an empty stomach. So I'm really hungry. I want to eat it, but I have to sketch it. So my mind is, you know, working super fast. And I'm also breaking down what's happening in terms of what I'm sketching. It's like, oh, this ingredient is used here. Or, oh, this person did this to this. Or, you know, in terms of the decoration of the play. Or, you, you know, it's just so much more appreciation goes into the person that made that food. Um, so it, it's, it's more visual as well as, you know, you're smelling it. And it's, it's, it's more of your five senses now, as before, it may be if you're hungry, you're just like shoving down your food and you're not really paying attention. And so it's, I think it just, you know, ultimately it turned out to be a good thing. That yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking that it's, uh, it's an involvement of all your senses, in which you really spend time with the food to appreciate it. And it's it it also again a point about how urban sketching in general makes us slow down and appreciate the things we see and not only not only are we noticing something beautiful you can do that even when you have a camera in hand but to spend time with it and to really think about which part of it was appealing to me and sometimes it's at the end of a sketch that you realize the part that was appealing to you why you made that sketch in the first place and I love that that happens to you with food. And it's, it's, a it's a lot of self-restraint because like you mentioned, you're hungry and the food is hot in front of you. That's the reason I can't draw food because <laughs> as soon as food is put in front of me, I'm already eating it before a second thought appears in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Nishad, I actually take it to another level. I sometimes share my food with my wife so I have to sketch super fast because she's staring at me wanting to eat that food, but she's waiting for me to sketch. So yeah, you, you do that for a few years, you will get very, very quick at sketching something. <laughs> that is exactly the situation I'm in, which is a great segue to another question I wanted to ask you about the constraints that come into one's sketching practice when you have a non-sketching spouse. What is... Uh, as we can see, it makes you faster to sketch. And I love that this shortage of time, the constraint being shortage of time and uh, comparatively fewer opportunities, let's say, it almost works in a positive way because then it trains you to be faster and it trains you to seize the opportunities you see. What are some other constraints that, that occur to you that you think come to you because you're traveling, say you're on vacation, you're traveling with your spouse who doesn't sketch and who might have a lot of patience for you just as mine does, but mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. there's a limit to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, absolutely a, a limit to it. You know, whoever, you know, you're with, you know, I'm sure they're with you because they love you. So they're going to, you know, let you do things, but you know, like with anything, you can't over push it. And I've done that, you know, numerous times and I learned, oh, here's the boundaries, but you know, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like a small child. I know where the boundary is. I'm going to try pushing it a little bit more in this situation. Eventually, it you know it backfires on you. But yeah, um, you know, with with either your spouse or you know your partner, your your friends or whoever you are with that that you, you know that you really like being with that are non-sketchers and being able to throw in a sketch situation, it, it's it's definitely challenging. But it it can be done. It, it really can be done. Uh, regarding, you know, your, you know, what you asked me in terms of traveling, uh, with your spouse, like, so, um, 
travel sketching is it's probably one of the easiest things to do for me uh, because I, I've learned where it can be thrown in um, like a sketch like so during transport is a great time you know in terms of like you're flying on a plane or you're on a bus or you're on a cab or whatever it is you know it's it's you're probably going to get very little complaint that you're sketching, you know, but you have to be able to talk. So that's, that's another thing. You, you know, you learn to be able to do that. <laughs> you're sketching something, but you're still able to have a conversation. And, uh, you know, there's some people that are, that are super masters at it. Uh, I've sketched once with Paul Heaston. He's a super master at it. He, he goes into the smallest detail while like cracking jokes and, you know, throwing all the conversation, <laughs> you know, I'm not that level. I could talk, but I can't, you know, do jokes and stuff but um but yeah so you could definitely do that another time is is um there's uh so you know i go back to one of the trips i did um when was that i think it was like 2008 um it was um it was my first um fountain pen uh the food a fountain pen that i had and it was a, it was a gift that my wife had given me. It was and uh, she had contacted uh, a company in Japan and started talking with the people, the salesperson there, and asking about like, you know, I'd like to buy my husband a a fountain pen for a sketching. Do you have a recommendation? And they did a number of talking, and they recommended the Fude pen, uh, the Fude fountain pen. So that was my first uh, Fude fountain pen, and. I took it along on a trip. We we went to Egypt. It was a once in a lifetime trip. It was like a ten day seeing sightseeing around Egypt, and I took a whole bunch of tools, including my food a pen. But for the whole ten days, all I ended up using was that one pen, and the the reason was there was so little time to to sketch, and you know I couldn't choose you know the different tools or whatever. It was just like I had one pen. I had one sketchbook and if I'm able to pull it out and sketch, you know, whatever minutes or uh, moments of that time, it was, it was, it was perfect kind of thing. And, uh, or it was the only thing I could do, but, uh, so, you know, there, there were, there were in short amounts of time. And when I, when I finished them was either, uh, early in the morning before my wife woke up or late at night after she went to sleep. So those were my time. I could focus on as much as time as possible. So, um, yeah, there, there's definitely ways of slipping in. You just have to understand where you could do it. Uh, and, 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 and you'll definitely have to cut down on your sleeping time when you travel, but it's, it's <laughs> worth it. <laughs> it's, it's another illustration of how you can make a constraint work in your favor because you're using a food pen because you don't have time. So you obviously can't lay out your stationery and have the luxury of choosing between them. But as a result, if you use just the one tool, you end up going so much deeper with that one tool in how to express it, how to how to get it to say what you want to say. And and again, using the slack time while you travel. I love that idea. I do it all the time. I'm drawing on buses, in cabs, in in planes. Whenever I have five minutes that I would be otherwise doing nothing is a good time to slip in a quick drawing, in my opinion. And that's, that's a lovely way to use travel. And speaking of your Egypt trip, I was looking at uh, your website and I saw the, I browsed through the pages of your sketchbook and 
this again ties into how a constraint becomes such a useful solution is you were drawing the sphinx but you couldn't find a spot in front of it because of course that's a really crowded spot with so many tourists and photographers so and i was talking about this with marek in episode 9 as well about how as urban sketchers we often can't take the first view that we or the most iconic view of a subject that we want to draw because usually that's also what occurs to so many other people so we have to circle around it and we spend time looking at it from different angles regarding it in unconventional ways and uh, you you drew the sphinx from from behind and i love that you did that because nobody would normally do it if you had all the freedom to draw it from anywhere you could right mm-hmm. that's true that's true so um you know i think urban sketchers in a way are pretty twisted people <laughs> in a way <laughs> but but uh yeah but it 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 also um uh, results out of a number of things exactly what you're saying you know wherever you go in a tur- tourist destination globally there's always crazy amounts of people at that postcard viewing location and and sure you know i i've kind of stood in those situations and sketched along too but there are times it, it you know it just doesn't make sense because it's just way way too many people um but then you start you know seeing other things too um like in the sphinx case is like nobody goes to the butt or the rear of the sphinx <laughs> it's just like nobody there and it's just perfect and but there's so much story to that too it's like you know there there is details built on an area no one looks at and 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 it's still an amazing scenic site you know with the giza pyramids in the background and and uh, and how the construction is made so uh, i i think it's it's it it comes down to you know when we started out this this podcast it's about your your intent and the story that you're trying to tell it's not that final image that you're trying to you know capture as a beautiful kind of image so for me it ended up being a much much more memorable sketch than doing a face of a sphinx which i'm sure if i googled i could find as many you know out there as there is um but it's yeah so i apply this to most places i go globally like scenic sites look for that other views i remember reading this also in a piece from your book sketch now think later about how to how to break down the or how to get over this this initial fear that we have when drawing something iconic about being able to get it down is to just change your point of view and try to draw it from an angle that you don't normally see it and that that reduces the challenge of trying to make it look like that iconic image that you have in mind that everyone else has in mind and that you're afraid you're not going to match and changes the shapes changes the lines changes the shadows and the colors I mean, right right there absolutely it's it's you know that icon something iconic is is almost it, it's 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 really challenging in many ways because you're sometimes not drawing what you're seeing you're trying to draw what you think people see because it's so iconic you know it's it's uh, you know, and we you know, we as humans have that all the time you go out to see something that you've seen for years you know through the internet but if you see it in real life you're like sometimes you're not sure what you're seeing because you know <laughs> so you have to change perspective in that sense you know and yeah see it. yeah 
tell me a little bit uh, so for podcast listeners who are not aware of your book can you tell me a little bit about this process of how you how you happen to think about making this book how you put it together and what it communicates to an urban sketching audience okay um are you talking about my the sketch now think later or the other travel books yes yes sketch now think later so i i think i have like two di- very different categories of books um one is more of um my travel log kind of sketches so it's you know and and they resulted out of the sketches that i collected when i traveled it wasn't that i'm i'm traveling and saying yes i'm going to make a book so i have to fill this many sketches you know it's not it's none of that because i think that would just put too much pressure you know on me you know to go out you know it's it's you know i do it out of hobby and it's 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 more passion so um you know i want to enjoy, i want to enjoy the trip so uh but like the egypt book i think that was my first travel on book i i published but that came out because it turned out to be such an amazing experience the 10 day experience that you know i try to capture what i saw what i sketched and you know the people i met the stories i've heard uh that kind of thing and and published it um and it was also a good way of learning a new tool at the time um it you know it was uh, it was a on on that it was a desktop publishing tool and i was starting to learn it so i'm like you know what great you know better way than do a crash course you know book publishing so i did that um then after that um I, i you know when i started traveling i also started doing more of that so i did a book on machu picchu which was an amazing uh trip uh down peru and uh, all of the experiences that i experienced there uh the, the most recent one was uh, sri lanka yeah that's the one i really enjoyed as well oh okay yeah no that amazing amazing place and uh you know that that was challenging in many many ways too because it, it was it was super hot <laughs> or, or super raining or, or whatever again <laughs> but uh but yeah it, it travel log books are are just such a great way of of capturing everything you did during that journey and um and so you don't forget and you're able to communicate it um so that's yeah that's my travel log then there's the other book which is more about my sketching process and um you know the tools i'm using uh the techniques or the philosophy or all of those so yeah speaking of the travel log books uh you not only draw what you see but it i love how they communicate so much about your experience you're speaking in it you have small amounts of text next to the drawings you're capturing your impressions when you enter an interior space you even have a top down schematic of your hotel room <laughs> so yeah. it's it's interesting to me and maybe some some listeners hesitate over this part so maybe you can elaborate do you are you thinking about who you're communicating to who you're speaking to do you have something in mind when you when you do when you're elaborating these details and you know always whenever we elaborate on some details we leave out some other details it's some kind sure. of selective reading yeah no that's that's a really good point i you know to be perfectly honest those books were meant for me um you know when i started out so it wasn't like oh i'm going to target this person or you know it wasn't really meant to be like you know i want to publish this many copies or you know that kind of thing it was more like i really wanted to capture it 
Um, but regarding communication and, and, and they, you know, trying to get it out there, I've always felt, you know, less is more, um, in, in many aspects and the sketch should communicate most aspect of things, but having a, just even a blurb of context of why does help. Um, even for me, when I go back and look at it, you know, 10 years later, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, this is what I was feeling at that time. That's why I capture this. You know, I didn't get a good night's sleep or what I ate was, was, you know, really, you know, too much, you know, too filling. So that's how, mm -hmm. how I felt by doing this or whatever, you know, it's, 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 uh -huh. it's, it's definitely the context. Um, so, and, you know, I try to keep it very lighthearted and, and entertaining, um, you know, and I'm not trying to communicate as, yeah, if you're ever going to go to this country, you should read my book because, you know, I'm going to tell you everything about it. It's, it's completely the opposite. I'm like, this is just one element of me going there for the first time and experience it, experiencing it with me with fresh eyes or, you know, from an outside view um, and just trying to keep it as raw as possible. So I think that's really it. Yeah. And that makes the idea of a travelogue and a travelogue sketchbook so much more uh, achievable for for everyday sketchers that instead of trying to be the comprehensive guide or trying to show everything, if we are simply speaking to ourselves and we are simply representing the little bit of the country or the journey that we are able to record. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. It's, you know, it's, uh, I mean, why put so much burden on yourself, you know, by you know, having that much responsibility to, you know, represent it, you know, perfectly, because there's just no way there's, there's, there's professionals out there that do much, much better than that for a, you know, a travel book kind of thing. So, and they're good. These are good training steps in order to do something something bigger to once we are able to satisfy our own curiosity that's what perhaps is a better training to to do something that actually speaks to other people or is intended to speak to other people uh, which brings me to your other big book that everybody of course associates with you which is sketch now think later uh, already the title of this book is such that i feel like it's already giving me profound advice Whenever I have a doubt, I can only I can imagine just having to look at the book in the library shelf and the title of the book will tell me exactly what I needed to do. Think later, sketch now. Can you can you tell me how this book came about? How did you how did you conceptualize it and put it down? So originally this this was put together. It was a, a really tiny workshop booklet. Um it was tiny. It was probably like 24 pages. And it was like, it was like a postcard size. It was meant to be a distribution. It was when I went to Manchester, uh, the, the symposium, the Urban Sketcher Symposium, I was teaching for the first time and uh, in Manchester. And uh, it was a workshop proposal that was put together for that workshop. So I created this booklet and I distributed it to everybody uh, that, that I was able to meet and teach at that time. Um, so that's where it came out from in terms of um, uh, the, the, the proposal, but it was really capturing the 15 years or so of, of my sketching journey of why sketching is important to me and, and why, you know, there's, there's so limited time and it's so challenging yet uh, there's, I, I find it important to be able to, you know, throw in sketches 
in your daily life. And there's ways of doing it, even if you may be living with, you know, uh, a person that doesn't sketch or your friends that don't sketch, but if it still brings you joy, it, you know, you could still do it. Um, and exactly to your point of it's, you know, it's, it's the constraints that actually made it even better because you, it's limited time means you're able to concentrate more at that moment and you kind of need to, and you will, because you know, you only have that time. So, uh, you know, having too much time isn't actually a good thing. Having too much tools is actually not a good thing too. And uh, living that moment and keeping it short and really enjoying it. So that's where it came out from. All right. And could you could you tell me some of these these lessons that you shared in the book? What what are some what are some good things that you've heard from people who've used it, and how has it helped them? Sure. Um, so uh, you know, it's it's always uh, a super rewarding experience when I get uh, messages sent to me saying, "Hey, Mike, I just picked up your book." Um, you know, I, I haven't sketched in the longest time, uh, but it's, you know, your book made me want to pick it up again. Um, you know, those are great or, or more of the starting off sketchers that feel their, their lines aren't accurate or they're, they're, they're always thinking too much and not being able to draw. Um, but this book helped them to overcome that. Um, so it's, 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 it's a lot of that overcoming part of, of um, not being able to do something because people think they're not doing the right thing. And, uh, and it, it's a great feeling because it, it, this book was really meant for those people too, that, you know, it, it, so in the book, I mentioned that if you, if you have to think, 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 think later, that's okay. You have, you have tons of time to think later, <laughs> but you know, when you're sketching at that moment, why waste it on the thinking part, you know, use it on, on the actual sketching part. And then you could always analyze it later. And it's okay to analyze it later because when you analyze it later, you learn what you did. And by doing, learning what you did, the next time you do it, you could either improve on it or continue doing what you thought you did, you did good at that moment. And you just keep on building on it. So it's, it's just more about that. Yeah. And that ties in so nicely with how you differentiated drawing versus sketching and by lowering the barriers for what we allow ourselves to sketch mm -hmm. it it creates a bigger body of work it gives us more it's like again and i'm going to tie it to another analogy you made about walking in the fog because that's exactly how trying to be an artist feels like to me like you have no idea what to do mm -hmm. but you're just walking in this fog and occasionally you see a signpost occasionally you see paul heaston standing somewhere saying oh this this thing is nice you can try this thing and you go in another direction and shari tells you something about colors yeah. and maybe you yeah. pick something yeah. up but yeah. again it's just you walking and every step is probably a sketch that's how you take these steps mm -hmm. and in between these sketches is the time you spend thinking and overthinking and second and third time thinking about what you did wrong and what you did right. And there's always time for that. There's always time to, to ponder over it. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, there is all of that. And, you know, when you, when you think about it, it's, you know, try, try to be nice on yourself. You know, it's, you, you, you did the sketch, you know, you should be rewarded for it. You're like, yes, you did it, you know? Uh, and sure, it didn't come out good, but think about what you did good about it and, and keep on thinking about that. It's, uh, you know, we could always work on our kind of negative aspects of things, but 
you know, you could always focus on more on your positive aspects of things too, to keep on going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it's a bad sketch, it's a bad, like, I think people should be more accepting of their bad drawings. There's, there's is so much, uh, when I look at my bad drawings a year, like the moment after I make them, that's the moment it feels bad. But if I look at them a year later, they all feel good. Like the best drawing feels as good as the worst drawing I made a year yeah, ago. They, yeah, they don't seem that, to have any difference. Yeah. That That is so true. That is so true. It's, <laughs> you know, it's like the, the drawings, the, yeah, the, when you give it time, they're not that bad. You know, it's like we're so critical on ourselves because you're seeing exactly what you're trying to capture. You're like, oh, the perspective's wrong. Oh, that person's face is wrong. It's like, ah, you look at it a year later. You can't remember that. You can't remember who was in front of you. <laughs> you know? uh, could you tell me if people wanted to buy your book as a way to getting into this practice, what's the best place they could, they could do so? Um, well, for the sketching uh, tutorial book or uh, more the, the sketch now, think later book, um, it's on Amazon, so it's probably the easiest place to go to, um, as well as all of my other travel log books, if anyone's interested in it. It's, it's, it's capturing the, the journey of, of the travels of all the places I've been to. Um, but um, yeah, I, th I think those would be the, the great places for that. Um, and uh, in, in terms of, you know, for people that are starting out sketching or wanting to sketch, um, you know, I'm sure everyone has many, many reasons why they wanted to start sketching in the first place, but it really comes comes down to, you know, get a sketchbook, uh, get a pen, and uh, yeah, let's just start sketching. What what are the what are the next steps for you? What do you see in your in this constant uh, growth and evolutionary cycle that you're experiencing in your art? What how do you see twenty twenty one and what are some things you're excited to be to do? Sure. So um, I think it's going to be a really good year uh, in, in many aspects. You know the the world and you know well I just hope so. You know when I say this, it's more of you know I'd like to believe it and usually you know. I, hopefully that'll, that'll get better if you believe in it kind of thing. But, um, but, you know, in terms of my, my journey, it's, it's, it's an ongoing journey. Um, I, I've never seen it as like, you know, this is what I'm going to achieve this year. It's regarding sketching. It's, it's always been about, you know, I'm capturing the moment at, you know, every day and because it makes me feel good. And by doing it, I, I, I keep on growing and learning things from it. Uh, but, but recently I, I, you know, since moving out to Charlotte, I think I, I connected with so many people, uh, that are interested in what I do. Um, so which turned into an opportunity I'm going to be teaching, uh, starting this April, uh, in a community college here in Charlotte, uh, Piedmont community college here. And, uh, so that's, that's exciting. I'll be able to teach. We're going to be doing it outside on the weekends. Uh, I think it might be uh, more classes being offered in the summertime, but, you know, teaching is always a nice experience. Um, 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 you know, it's starting to work on, on newer books, um, which is, you know, I, I can't really say it at this point yet because it's still in the works, but hopefully I, I'll be able to announce it soon. Oh, that's in the works, but that's probably a little early in, in the phase, but so I'm actually drowning in deadlines right now. <laughs> As we speak. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What are you going to be teaching? 
um, urban sketching. So the class is called urban sketching. Yes. So it's it's really it's really cool. Yeah, we were talking about you know whether teaching an in class or outside. I said you know if 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 I get the opportunity to teach, it's gotta be outside. <laughs> really. uh -huh, uh -huh. I, I, I suppose you have decent weather for most of the year in North Carolina, yeah, which allows yeah, no, you to yeah. do that. Well, it's uh, the classes start in April time, so it starts getting really warm. I mean, even now, it's like where you are, where you came from, Chicago. It's like this is nothing, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, we get little flurries here, and you know, people, you know, you know, it's things start slowing down because it. But yeah, in, in the summer times, it, it makes it to the upper 90s. So it, it gets really, really hot here in the summer. Uh -huh. All right. Uh, well, a final question. Um, what's something that you are excited today to sketch about when you, when you go outside urban sketching? What is something that catches your eye these days that you think you were not so, you didn't notice before? Something that you're very excited these days to, to bring out on your sketchbooks? Yeah. Um, you know that's another really good question too. Every day is is something new, um, and, and you know it, it sounds really vague, but it's so true. Um, there there are times when I'm going like, oh, I can't find anything to sketch, and you know, and if my wife is with me, she tells me, like, uh, Mike, you're you're like contradicting yourself. You said in the book like you should be able to find even you know nicest thing, the smallest, you know. So there are times I yeah sure I contradict myself yeah. I said, yes, I'm looking for something to shout at me, you know, some subject saying, please sketch me. And, you know, those don't really exist or they start going away because you move out to a new area for the first two years or so. You know, you, you, you've done all of that, the things that jump out at you. So next is things that don't jump out at you. And there's there's beauty in that, too. Um, and it's it's a really valid or, or a good question because just today, this morning, I think I posted uh, a sketch I did just the other day. It's the backside of a Mexican restaurant. So it's it's a back of a restaurant, all of these pipings and, and vents, and there's the dumpster on the side. The dumpster is leaking a little bit of fluid at the floor, and, but I just loved how the sun hit it and... Uh, you know, the situation was comfortable because I was sitting in my car. It was nice and warm with the sun. And, you know, I had my iced coffee and, you know, everything was beautiful. And, and you know, even then you just start finding beauty in things. So, um, you know, we touched on this earlier, but it's really slowing down and looking at things. Sometimes you just, you just won't see it if you're just driving looking for something. You have to stop. And you have to sometimes even just pick up the pen to do it even if you think it's 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 ridiculous because then you start seeing after you pick up the pen um and that's and and after you do it you you pat yourself on the back and you say yeah that that was a good experience that made me feel good yeah Th that's a lovely point to to close with that sometimes it occurs to you after you pick up the you, you see it after you pick up the pen so you have to keep the faith and you have to keep the practice going you for listening to this conversation and for making it all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, and I think it's safe to assume you did since you're still around to hear me, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Getting a positive review is a great help to me as it helps the show to climb Apple's rankings. And of course, this only applies to people who use Apple devices. 
If there was anything in this episode that struck you as especially useful or inspiring, I would love to hear about it. Please email me or send me a direct message on Instagram. As mentioned, you can buy Mike's book, Sketch Now, Think Later, by searching for it on Amazon. I recommend you do so. It's really great. Did you know that you can now participate in this podcast? By signing up to be a member at the cost of just a couple of cups of coffee every month, you begin to get notified before new recordings with a brief intro of the upcoming guest and the chance to pose them a question that I will ask on air. Members also get access to other exclusive privileges like free portraits drawn by me, insider discounts on print sales, and some other free digital giveaways that I'm currently working on. If this makes you curious, if you would like to learn more, follow the link in the show notes. My next episode is very exciting, as are all the other episodes I have planned in these coming months. I love that this podcast has given me the opportunity to connect with such fascinating artists and people all over the world. And I want to thank you, the listener, for giving me your time and attention, because you're helping make this possible. Thank you, and see you in the next one. Mm -hmm.